What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to another episode of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, we're going to speak with Louisa Zane, the co-founder of Toast Ale, on creating beer from food waste and building a sustainable collaboration with breweries around the world. Food production is responsible for 80% of deforestation, 70% of freshwater use, 30% of greenhouse gas emissions, and it's the largest contributor to soil erosion and biodiversity loss. It's uh, it's pretty crazy what, what sort of food production and food waste, the, the numbers that come out of it that we don't normally recognize. Food production is so, so huge, and one-third of our food goes to waste. And Toast Ale and their team is is sort of really concentrated on trying to change that and change the idea of how we use food, how we throw it away, what we can sort of keep and basically upcycle food. And what they concentrate on is upcycling bread into their batches of beer. It's a uh, really interesting process. Toast replaces one third of the malted barley with bread in their sort of brewery recipe process. The bread provides the starches that are broken down to fermentable sugars by enzymes contained in the malt. The yeast feeds on those sugars during the fermenting process to create alcohol. Uh, the social enterprises uses uses the heel ends of loaves that can't be made into sandwiches. They source uh, white bread, brown bread, whole wheat bread, any type of different bread that has easily accessible sugars um, and is widely available. They get it from other local sort of bakeries, uh, stores, any any area that that has sort of excess bread that they're not going to use and just throw away. Uh, toast re creates that into into their beering process. Another really interesting thing they do is it's open source. Their recipe is completely available to home brewers around the world. Their recipe has been downloaded over 80,000 times. Uh, so home brewers around the world can you know use their excess bread or use their local bakery's excess bread uh, to create their batches that, that they're doing in their home. So it's, uh, it's really powerful how they're sort of collaborating with not only home brewers, but also breweries in general around the world. They've collaborated with U.S. breweries, European breweries, all kind of breweries around the world to try to implement this sustainability feature into the brewer process and make it sort of a normal thing. Uh, we also talk a little bit about how we could possibly maybe upcycle other foods into the beer production process. They talked about doing uh, collaboration with some with some pumpkin pumpkin that was going to be sort of tossed and thrown away, and how they upcycled that into you know a special edition batch that they created. So we talk about a lot of interesting things. If if you're a fan of beer as, as I am, this is a fun conversation for me. And we talk a little bit about the presence of the United States because uh, I was interested in that and seeing how they're sort of collaborating or, or do want to collaborate with more U.S. breweries uh, to try to get the toast ale uh, sustainability method and model into more U.S. breweries. So we as U.S. sort of beer drinkers can access toast ale and try it out and, and, and support uh, their mission. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Hope everybody's staying safe and, and staying healthy. And we'll talk to you soon. I think tomorrow we're going to have another episode. So look out for that. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. So how I usually like to, to start these episodes is is about an individual's journey and, and how the heck they get started in, in sort of their their life's work, so to speak. And, and yours is uh, something that I'm very fond of. I, I love beer and I love sort of the uh, the idea of sustainability and the idea of businesses kind of doing 
better than what traditional businesses have done in the past. So let's just, I mean, just broadly, let, let's kind of go through the journey of just, just your, your career and then how the heck you were introduced to Toastale Toast and, and how you came on board and, and just the, the origin story of that amazing, amazing brand. I started down a fairly traditional route. Um, I studied law at university. I trained as an accountant um, and was working in financial services. But I'd always been, I guess, what I would call an environmentalist. Uh, I had a real connection with nature. I grew up um, on the edge of a city, kind of in the countryside. And uh, that was where my heart and passion was. But my studies and then my early career led me um, down a professional services route. And I wasn't satisfied. I, I wasn't happy. Uh, I didn't feel that like I was um, fulfilling a purpose. And so I took a career break and traveled for a year. I went to South America, um, starting up in Ecuador and traveling all the way around um, to Brazil and through the Amazon um, back. Um, into Ecuador and home and it really made a huge mark on me um, that travel experience and came back decided that that was the field that I wanted to work in sustainability um, and so started a master's uh, studying part-time whilst I was working in environmental decision making um, and quickly found myself in a a new career um, at an organization called the Carbon Trust uh, which specializes in supporting businesses um, to have a more positive impact on the planet. Specifically the work that I was doing was around uh, carbon emissions, working on carbon footprinting. And I worked in that field for five years and then I took a very short break uh, when my children were born and felt I just I wanted to be doing less consulting and helping other businesses and more doing the doing myself and creating something really positive that can have a change and met Tristram Stewart who is an environmentalist a campaigner on all things connected with the food system um, both the social and environmental impacts and he's met a couple of brewers in um, Belgium who'd created a beer using surplus bread from a local bakery and it tasted great uh, it was yeah really good product and had a really interesting story that reflected the origins of brewing, which was that the ancient Mesopotamians used to ferment bread to create this divine alcoholic drink that essentially preserved the calories in the bread and created a beneficial, um, intoxicating um, impact as well on people. And yeah, he saw this amazing opportunity to um, tackle a huge environmental problem. Uh, Food waste is uh, one of the biggest problems that we face, but also one of the biggest opportunities we have to do something positive. Um, And bread is one of the most wasted household food items. So he saw a way that we could take an industrially wasted food item, turn it into a really delicious product and create essentially a message in a bottle that enabled us to have interesting conversations with people, you know, get people to, to, to look at the impact that we're all having on the planet. 
planet um, through our diets and our approach to food, which is that a third of all the food that we produce ends up never eaten, is wasted. Um, and yeah, get people talking about how we can change things for the better. Yeah, that, that was one of the, the really sort of eye-opening things for me is sort of looking at the statistics of, of food waste and, and how sort of draw-dropping it is that so many people you know die of starvation every year and yet there's so much food wasted so the problem's not enough food right it's just we it's just it's just staggering how much food is sort of wasted and how there hasn't been a way to sort of upcycle food right we could upcycle like fabric and clothing and furniture and and stuff but like we haven't figured out a way to upcycle food in a way that you know, can be repurposed into something completely different. And I just, you know, when I first saw you guys, I I mean, it was years ago now, but I was just fascinated about how the entire eco, like, I I love when people take a true passion and like really focus on every part of what they are creating. And I I thought that it was just, uh, it was just sort of perfectly executed on, let's look at this one problem. Let's look at what we do really well and try to merge them together so let's talk a little bit about like the actual like process of how of how you sort of came on board and understood the 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 process like from day one was it was it as good as it is now right this like did the beer taste good the first time you drank it or was there definitely a a mature maturity of the recipe and sort of the brewing process to actually make it I mean, because at the end of the day, right? I mean, people have to buy the beer, right? It's got to be, yeah. it's got to be good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with producing any product, it has to taste great, it has to look good, um, and increasingly, it has to have a a positive story as well. You know, increasingly, people are looking to um, vote with their wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, make sustainable choices through the, the products and services they buy. Um, yeah, so, well, we were really lucky. Our very first brew we did in collaboration with the Brussels Beer Project. So they the brewers came over to London and they worked with us. Um, they shared their recipe, firstly, and worked with us uh, to create that first brew and show us some of the techniques that they'd learnt when they were brewing. So we ended up with a really great tasting product um, from the very outset, which we've adapted over time. Uh, the recipe uh, is, um, well, we've we've created four different beers. Um, so they initially had one product and we've used the basis um, of that recipe to create four different beers. So we've got lager and three ales, um, but we've perfected the recipe over time um, to reflect the variations in brewing which you know includes the, the ingredients the other ingredients than bread that go into it so that's the the barley um, which is locally sourced um, and so therefore brings different flavors than the barley that would have been used by the Brussels beer project uh, the yeast the hops and the water it's sauce even can all create different uh, taste profiles within a beer so it's really important to work with the product um, and to understand what you're trying to get the product to taste like and then we yeah we've worked with true to type quality assessments as we've improved over time and got to the point where we are very confident um, in how we use bread as part of our recipe and we want now to be able to share that with others Uh, we've always been very open about the recipe that we developed uh, so we've published the recipe online so that brewers can download that and use it to 
tackle the the surplus bread that they have in their own homes we've collaborated with breweries all over the world and finding local sources of surplus bread and then using that within a, a local locally adapted recipe and um, also our, all of our profits go to charity so in each collaboration we've ensured that there is um, financial uh, benefit going to a local cause as well to support those and yeah and kind of worked to perfect our core range whilst also having that fun experimenting with different beer styles different takes on on each style and um, with each different brewery that we've worked with yeah that's the other interesting business decision made was sort of the business model. Can you talk a little bit more about like the actual model that Toast Ale has and sort of what what has been successful from that? And because and, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see how a business can be sustainable in different business models, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not one business model that might work. Some might work better than others in different industries, but for your specific product, this is sort of the business model that you chose. Can you talk a little bit more about exactly how that model works? Yeah, so we're a typical um, business. We're a limited company um, based in the UK, um, which means that um, we do make profits. Um, It's just how we use those profits that different to many other businesses um so we're a social enterprise which means that we reinvest um the profits into um into causes into our purpose our mission which um for us it means that 100 percent of our profits go to a partner charity that we work with uh, called feedback and they work at the systemic level to look at issues within the food system um and how we fix those um so the challenge is that our food system has now really been designed for profit and it's not optimized for feeding people or for nourishing the planet and so there are many issues within the system uh, that uh, need addressing and food waste is is indicative of the inefficiency essentially of the system Um, you know the fact that we the food system itself is one of the biggest contributors to climate change and biodiversity loss and yet we're wasting a third of everything that we produce just does not make sense and there are there are many discrete um, practical initiatives that we can do um, both you know individually in our own personal lives and in, in businesses um, and the government level to to try to create a better food system and some of those are so very complex and uh, that's where we're we're working with this charity partner to help them unpick what the problem is in the first place and then to uh, campaign for changes in government and corporate policies. So all of our profits go to them to do that work. In the years when we're not profitable, we've committed that a minimum of 1% of our revenue will go to them so that they have this continuity um, of income. Have you ever, have you guys ever partnered with uh, a U.S.? Brewery? Uh, we have, yes. Uh, so we actually launched in New York in 2017 um, and we were working, we've worked with a couple of breweries. The latest one we worked with was called Captain Lawrence, okay. um, based upstate. And uh, yeah, brewed a, um, a lot of beer with them, including some uh, great brews that went to very hope high profile meetings at the UN, uh, stocked in uh, places like Whole Foods across across New York as well. So able to work with 
yeah work, work with them to reach different uh, customers um, and we're talking to a number of different breweries in the US at the moment as we're looking to bring in more of a collaboration style model in the US mm-hmm. so that we uh, can scale faster because um, I, I want to buy some right the problem <laughs> I don't know if, it, it, if, it, if it's the same in the UK but like our shipping laws here for alcohol are really, really odd to where you can't necessarily like just buy beer like from a website. I mean, it's sort of changed and I mean, it's a state by state level. So some states can do certain things. Is that the same by you guys? Is is it the laws kind of weird about shipping alcohol and like ordering beer straight from like your website? And then you can't ship them to certain places. Well, the the US it has many many complications <laughs> um, regarding alcohol licensing, um, and yeah, the online delivery is one of those, which is why we're looking at this collaboration model. Right. Yeah. We can get toast beer to more people um, eat more easily. Uh, but in the UK, it's far easier. We have a web shop here. Uh, people can order beer, and it will be delivered straight to their doors um so and then we also work with a number of the big grocery stores um like tesco who uh, have their own online shops as well and deliver direct to people so at the moment uh, while people are at home more they are able to get beer delivered to them <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the uh the impact that has um, happened so far. I mean, there's so many different, I guess, numbers we could we could choose and pick out. But are there any sort of favorite numbers that stand out to you from like sort of an impact perspective of like maybe goals that you have achieved um, that really stand out to you? Yeah. Well, our primary indicator for how we track our impact is the amount of bread that we're preventing going to landfill, and that is important for two reasons. Firstly, it reduces the amount of barley that we need to use in our recipe, and barley has is one of the biggest contributors to a carbon footprint of a product because largely of the energy um, that's used in the process of malting the barley, um, but also obviously the, the the land and water to grow the barley and the transport etc so by reducing the amount of virgin barley that we're using and instead replacing it with a product that would otherwise be wasted um, we're able to have a a really huge positive impact whilst also secondly making sure that that bread does not end up in landfill and food that ends up in landfill and rots emits methane which is a highly potent greenhouse gas so we've been tracking uh, the amount of bread that uh, we've saved we're close to two million slices now so we're looking at that being almost three times the height of everest if you stack those yeah to give some visualization of how much bread that is um and then from that we work out what that means in terms of energy um, and emissions and water and land Um, and then we also track the amount of money that we are donating to charities and the work that they're able to do therefore uh, with that with that funding and that and that saving bread number it doesn't even really count like all the home brewers right that have downloaded almost like a hundred thousand times have actually downloaded I guess the brewing process, the home brewing process to actually do this with their with their own bread that they might, you know, throw out or, or, or might just not use. So that right. doesn't even account for, for that, right? I mean, there's no really way to, to know that unless people 
tell you, right? But have you have you seen like the homebrewing aspect of it really blow up, so to speak, where you've had people reach out and say they are doing they are doing this sort of in their homebrew stuff? Yeah, it's been very cool. So we've seen over eighty thousand um, recipe downloads, and we know that many of those people are downloading them and then bringing them up brewing a beer at home um, because quite often people write to us and explain some of the challenges that they've experienced and are looking for specific advice um, to help them um, either overcome those challenges or change the recipes so they can brew a different style beer Um, and that's that's a really lovely interaction to have with people um, particularly as we're predominantly UK based at the moment to be able to talk to somebody in Singapore who's found the recipe and is uh, creating a creating a beer there is has been really fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome because I I guess what's the I guess breweries couldn't download it and then do their own thing and sell it, right? That would like without you guys partnering up on it. Like you'd I mean you'd rather not do that, right? Yeah, well we've we've made it open source, so it, it is there, but the recipe is a uh, homebrew scaled recipe. Um once you get to a commercial level, the kit is different. Mm. Um, the way that the bread behaves in a commercial mash turn is very different to the way it would behave in a homebrew kit. Um, and so we've we have seen commercial breweries produce bread beers, and quite often people reference us in in the media when they you know they've launched a new beer. For example, I mentioned Singapore. There is a, a bread beer that launched in Singapore, and they've mentioned being inspired by toast uh, in some of the press that they've done. So that's, that's awesome. That's yeah. Fantastic. But yeah, it's great for us because we we're not in Singapore. It's not something that we can do. We we made a decision not to ship beer right across the world because essentially you're moving heavy water. Yeah. Uh, has an environmental impact whereas you know the in large water is available over the world bread is available all over the world most of the ingredients for brewing are available all over the world and can be brewed locally um and support local causes and so we would much rather they do that and really we're we're motivated by scaling our impact um rather than necessarily the business itself and so you know by encouraging others around the world to do that then that's fantastic but we would love to collaborate directly with other breweries we've got a lot of experience that we can bring um, in terms of working with those the commercial kits for example how to get the most benefit from the bread you're essentially trying to get out the sugars um, starches from the bread that the yeast will turn into alcohol and there are specific techniques that you can use to maximize that um, and you know we want other breweries to be successful in their use of bread um, and f- to be honest for it to be normalized so yeah. that it's not seen as a quirky ingredient that is used to brew bread but as a standard right. um, ingredient as part of a circular economy where the bakeries and mm. sandwiches makers are working together like you said at the beginning to upcycle mm-hmm. uh, the, the byproduct um, of their, their business or the surplus at the end of their, their, their processes into a new product by working with a brewery and um, so anything that we can do to enable that um, we see as a, a huge positive impact to toast part of my uh brewing and sort of like distilling ignorance but like could you could you use this process in different processes like to make different alcohols not just like i I don't know the distilling process of like 
liquors, right, or whiskey or something like that. But it's barley, an ingredient that is used in different forms of, of spirits or, or alcohol where this can yeah. also be integrated into that process as well, not just beer. Right. So, um, well, usually uh, for spirits, what they're doing is distilling something that's very similar to a beer. So you're using the sugars that are coming from um, some form of grain. So it could be barley, it could be rice or any other source of carbohydrate, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then creating what is fairly low alcohol percentage um, liquid. For then distilling, you're essentially removing the water to to reduce the the amount of liquid, but therefore increase the alcohol content. And for whiskies, for example, you can then age those um, uh, to create you know the lovely smoky flavors that we get from whiskey barrels right, or right. wine flavors we get from from whiskey that's been aged in wine barrels to distill it you know down to a raw alcohol you produce gin you can then add botanicals mm-hmm. um, to, to make different to create different flavors um but yeah you, like vodka's made with potatoes often it's kind of you start with something that has a source of, of sugar the yeast can eat that up create an alcohol product and then distill that down um, is a very very simplified way of explaining it and i'm also not an expert on distilling sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i just meant yeah from a from a base thing i didn't know if if you've spoken to other you know facilities or, or people outside the the beer industry to kind of do something similar right to maybe yeah. Well, we did. We actually created a kind of moonshine um, spirit a couple of years ago when we we had a, a a large amount of beer that was it didn't meet our quality criteria, but we didn't want to dispose of it, mm-hmm. and so we worked with um, a distillery called Greensand Ridge, which is in the south of the UK of England, um, and yeah, created a spirit with them. I think the challenge really is, uh, from an environmental perspective, anyway, that there is a huge amount of energy used in the distilling process and so yeah it's part, and and you're you're what you're really doing is removing the essence of the bread so it's um yeah we're kind of we don't want to be putting the bread in and then taking it out again um, right right yeah but yeah but, and there are so many other products as well you know that can be created with with bread or with other byproducts food byproducts of other industries as well there is a lot there are a lot of startups and entrepreneurs uh, working on uh, food surplus upcycling at the moment it's really exciting yeah that was actually my next question is sort of you know after you know doing so many batches and, and being in it for so long have y'all discovered more interesting things that maybe you didn't think was possible or maybe that save that save more of this specific item than you thought or, or there's sort of just the the evolution of brewing like this has there been any like i don't know like new discoveries but just like things that you didn't think about that actually you discovered during you know the years of of doing all these these batches that you know might have a a different sustainability aspect that you might never thought of well i guess one of the things we've learned is uh, like how the different breads you can use can change Mm. 
the profile, the taste of the beer afterwards. So it's been fun to experiment with some of these collaborations uh, using rye bread, for example, to bring out different flavours and darker beers. Um, we've also tried different sources of starches or carbohydrates to get the sugars at the beginning of the brew. Uh, for example, we did a collaboration um, last Halloween uh, with um, part of Brew Dog um, on a pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we took the surplus pumpkins that were left over after Halloween. So after people have been and bought the jack-o'-lanterns and the pump, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but here we have these huge pumpkin farms. So you go and you select your ideal pumpkin and then the farm after Halloween doesn't really have a use for them because they're not grown for food and so we took some of those pumpkins and created a beer with them um, and it was really really delicious uh, so that certainly proved to us that there are other ingredients that can go into beer um, and then we've been looking at the whole process of brewing um, at the end of the process you have spent grain which is um, the grains that are left over after those starches have been used um, in the brew but they still contain lots of uh, trace minerals and proteins so there's still valuable uh, nutritional material and there are various things that you can do with that there's actually a company called regrained based in the u.s uh, that takes the spent grain and it dries it and creates a flour and they've got sort of cereal bars and, and different flours that you can buy um, to, to bake with so that's then upcycling again the the end of the brewing process kind of going in a, in a different direction how has sort of not necessarily like the the government responded but like i guess like the like local communities and, and sort of you know the food community and, and, and just sort of you know the sustainability community in general within uk like responded to this has there been are you guys allowed to like apply for like grants and stuff if you wanted to like would you accept stuff like that to try to do different things more innovative things to try to like just progress the entire idea of sort of like upcycling food in, in different ways um, to where you can kind of be an incubator for, like you said, there's a lot of these other upcycled food startups, so to speak. But yeah. is there a way that, that everybody can collaborate and, and do even like greater things? Yeah, um, there are a few different innovation funds um, within uh, within the UK. Um, there are also some tax benefits for research and development. Uh, so I've, as we've, for example, worked on perfecting and maximising the amount of sugars that we can get out of the bread <clears throat> so that we can both use more bread and less barley, um, we've been able to um, have uh, tax benefits to um, to support us financially to do that and then we've been able to share those learnings with our collaboration partners um, and I think part of our whole collaboration program is about um, trying to share that knowledge um, and yeah get everyone brewing with bread. Brewing industry, the beer industry is I've found by nature very collaborative anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those um, products that people find it, you know, completely normal to have two different businesses collaborating with each yeah, other. Yeah, totally. Um, product that you wouldn't find in any other industry and brewers love it as well it's a great opportunity to learn from each other um, and to create new and exciting products so a lot of mutual support within the industry and then the 
from the drinkers as well it's been the toast has been so well received uh, i think people like that we've always taken a very positive approach um to being environmentalists um giving people a reason to cheer and you know, celebrating the small wins that we can all have through the, through the actions we take um, but just making it you know really easy and simple simply by having a beer you're doing something great and so we try to use very emotive language in a positive way um, to get people excited and interested in environmentalism in a way that they may not have otherwise been but and really seeing the whole industry moving to be much more and um, sustainability focused um in the past few years some very um sustainability led brands um but also i'd say generally um in a similar way that Brewers are keen on collaboration. I think brewers also have this natural affinity with nature because they're working with the ingredients that come from the land and just a few key ingredients that are very important to the way that the beer tastes at the end of the day. So um, take a really keen interest in how the the barley and the hops are grown um, and you know, what, like the different strands um, that they're using in their product and getting to understand you know what what impacts various like climate impacts are having on the industry we've seen you know shortages of malt um, shortages of hops even of water mm. we use so much water in the brewing industry it ranges through different brewers from about three to 10 litres per litre of beer that you end up with. Um, so water is uh, hugely important. And there are obviously some areas in the world where that are under water stress. And so, you know, having that connection with the, the you know, climatic um, impacts really connects you with the environment and um, the impacts that we're having on it. Is there, is there an actual like brew house and brew that people can go to? For Toast, we've got a tap room um, that not it isn't open at the moment. Uh, it's based uh, at our office, um, which is in central London um, in Southwark. We yeah we have a shared office space called Sustainable Bankside uh, that hosts about thirty other sustainable businesses, and we oh, have nice. a bar. yeah we've got a really nice bar um, upstairs that we do really just started um, to open a bit more widely to um to guests um, <laughs> but unfortunately then COVID-19 hit so um, yeah. we haven't really been able to do that so no we we work with um lots of our customers who in the Ontario so people can try uh toast in a lot of restaurants and bars usually at the moment people are just in, enjoying um beer at home and that that'll kind of lead me into usually I like to end on sort of the future a little bit and uh and what some of maybe the the goal the mission are for the next sort of you know five years or even sort of 10 years down the line is there you know any big sort of like sustainability goals that you guys have a mission to try to to try to hit and then i mean is do you foresee like you know sustainable like brew house being created right i mean i know that's very expensive to build stuff like that um but is that is that something in the long term where you can also you can you can kind of take people through this museum of of sustainable brewing, right? If you have like a, a physical location where all our brewing process is powered by solar, and then we use all our you know upcycled bread to do all the um, the ingredients and things like that, and it becomes like this 
like this ecosystem or like museum of like you know to teach people and learn people because i've i've always loved going to like me and my wife went to maui brewing company and their whole facility is like powered by solar power like panels and like they invested like millions into this like beautiful like it's like architecture right it's almost like art <laughs> it's like yeah. beautiful system of, of how they try to to create everything they do through uh through natural energy but like that would be awesome if like they use toast to brew the recipe to brew like something like then they have like this whole ecosystem of sustainability that they can can talk about and, and people can like walk through and, and, and see everything so that's why i kind of love the idea of having something where people can walk in and like they can learn more about like the process of toast and, and all these things so Sorry, I kind of answered your question, <laughs> but you go ahead now. <laughs> uh, well, we we contract brew, um, which um, essentially means we don't own a brewery, um, but we work with um, a select partner to produce our beer. We have an in-house brewer, and uh, you know we specify the other ingredients other than bread. Um, so, for example, um, uh, the, the hops um, that we're using in our pale ale are uh, locally sourced hops um, in the UK, and we're responsible for all of the management of the bread process. But in terms of the physical location, it's that's owned by another brewery, and we made the decision to go down that approach from the very beginning. I mean, firstly, because it meant we could get set up um, very quickly with you know very little cost. Sure, um, yeah. and then also scale very quickly. Um, you know, there's many breweries that will invest in a brewery and then quickly reach capacity. And then you really have to scale up significantly and then quite often have a period when you're not operating at full scale. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be also financially challenging and risky. Um, but also the... There are so many breweries that have this spur capacity in the system that is essentially wasted. Right. That's and a good point. So, yeah, so we just think we'll work with like carefully chosen partners who meet our sustainability criteria and produce really great tasting beers and brew the beer with them. And we've been operating like that for the past four and a half years. We've looked at uh, creating more of an R and D um site where we can work more on a sort of a, a small kits to um experiment with recipes experiment with uh, the bread and trying to see you know, what we can create um, and take the innovation to the next level um, and that we would love to have open um, probably as part of something else some sort of circular economy center um, that we collaborate on with others at the moment that um, is is on hold um, but it, yeah that's something we would like to do but I think bigger than that our ambition is to get the whole industry to be using surplus bread um by helping them helping other brewers to see the value both in terms of the cost saving from an ingredient perspective and the positive impact that it can have on taste and also the environmental impact if we can get the whole industry to be using surplus bread then we can really eliminate bread waste so that is where we start to have a real impact um, from our business mission perspective a lot of great points you made <laughs> and uh it, it all makes a a ton of sense where i think you guys are taking it innovative approach from from keeping it very lean like like you said i think a lot of breweries right now are probably you know feeling a little bit of pressure just because 
of the pandemic, especially here, you know, basically all the breweries had to shut down for months, right? And, and it's you lose so much capital and, and, and profit or just not even profit. I mean, just the ability to stay open, right? You, you're not even have the ability to, to pay your workers and things like that. So I think it's actually a really smart approach now that you talked about it is to stay <clears throat> kind of lean and just be be actually an arm for all breweries around the world, right? I mean, you can actually work with, with everybody globally, right, to, to kind of inject the, the Toast Ale philosophy and system into what they're already doing. And that's that's a beautiful model because then you're just, uh, that's a great way to scale is being yeah. able to have something for everybody. Right. And then for all of the collaboration brews that we do, we make them open. So that is our opportunity to invite people and it will be people from the local area who can go to a brewery that they may already know and learn about a new different process. Um, so that is where we can give people the direct experience of brewing, but yeah, trying yeah trying to get the industry to to adopt uh, bread brewing um, and and use everybody else as a way of communicating that you know if, if you go to visit your local brewery and they can talk to you about how they tackle food waste by brewing with bread then that is you know somebody speaking to you in in your hometown um, you know in, in a way that they can communicate the local story at the same time as the bigger environmental impact then that is probably even more powerful than um, as having tap room in South London where we can you know reach our relatively smaller audience before we before we head off how's everybody doing there now how's the what's the atmosphere in city like right now as do things start to open back up um, like here in the US or is everybody still in sort of isolation mode or or do you th- see things uh, starting to to normalize a little bit? Uh, well, uh, we're, we're doing good as a team. Unfortunately, we had to furlough um, half the team. So there is just four of us um, currently working. Um, and like many other businesses, keeping our spirits up, um, using online chat. More broadly in the UK, the um, very mixed feelings at the moment. We've got some quite confusing messages coming out of the government. And yeah, I think communities are kind of relying on each other. There's a lot of positive community spirit that has come out of this situation. And yeah, we the sun is shining. So there's some positivity, lots of confusion, lots of people that have been very negatively affected by the current situation. I'd say it's somewhat of a mixed bag, not yet really visioning the, um, the sort of on-trade, our restaurants and pubs, etc., opening for quite a long time yet. So still a lot of uncertainty as far as that goes. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's uh, it's tough for so many people at the moment and, and trying to to figure out like just next steps is uh is crazy so i hope everybody is staying safe and healthy there and thank you for your time and thank you for everything toast is is doing like i said i've been sort of a fan for a while just uh you know looking looking at what you guys have been doing and being sort of inspired by it And, and i hope that more more breweries can get involved right that ones that can get involved really sort of do whether a collaboration effort or, or just do something interesting and, and be inspired by what you guys are doing. Um, so obviously best of luck going forward. You know, hope everything starts to open back up there and, and we can get the sort of brewing community back to being uh, very collaborative. And uh, yeah, best of luck. And I appreciate you taking the time.
Yeah, we'd uh, we'd love to collaborate with more breweries in the US. So fingers crossed, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll have toast out there again soon. <laughs> yeah, can't wait, can't wait to to purchase and try it all, and uh, get more people testing it out, so to speak, right? And uh, being a be a soundboard for it as well. Cool. Thank you so much for inviting me to chat. It's been really lovely.